0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: How do you react to scoring changes and contextualize new roster settings? We're breaking it down on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rodoviz Fantasy Football show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rodoviz. I am coming to you today or tonight, depending on when you are listening with a special bonus episode, it's just going to be it's just going to be me giving an answer to a question that I receive very often. And that question is, How do I react or how do I prepare or think about changes that my league might throw upon itself in terms of either scoring or changes in roster requirements? Those are generally some of the most common questions that I'm asked. So what we might do here is first talk about the scoring settings. And changes that you might see. And I'm not sure if it's going to make sense for me to break this down in a separate episode, thinking about how you would first approach a league where everything's kind of new and you're thinking about all the settings there. Uh, So I'll see if this feels like it covers it. If not, maybe we'll do another one of these bonus shows at some point and I can talk about how you would run down going through that process. But let's go through with this hypothetical here that you've been playing in a league for like five years. It's a redraft league. And for whatever reason, maybe it's been a league vote or the commissioner just wants to toss a new wrinkle in, but something changes and there's some type of new scoring method that you haven't seen in your league before. And you're wondering how you react to that. So I think that there's kind of like three initial things that I would ask myself. Uh, the first thing is I would under, I, I would ask myself, do I completely understand exactly how this scoring change is going to be scored? Very simple, basic thing to ask yourself there. If it's some type of yardage bonus, is it a additional three points? If your quarterback passes for more than 500 yards, is it just a flat, you know, bonus there or does he accrue? a higher fraction for every yard. Once he gets beyond that, those are key things to understand Uh, because when you have the understanding of it, you need to think about how many players does it actually impact. So I commonly get questions from people asking about yardage bonuses and lots of times they're normally set at levels where, you're not going to see those those point totals getting um, achieved a lot. So the bonuses aren't going to be scored by many players in many situations. Now, that might not always be the case. I sometimes see the opposite. So it's like, you know, some type of threshold where like the top level wide receivers are probably normally going to hit it or something like that. But really, it comes down to determining how many players are actually going to be impacted by that wrinkle. Now, how do you determine that? Lots of times, it's pretty easy. You could go to any site that has some level of stats and use some filtering, or you could go into the RotoViz screener and find it. Whatever it is, let's just go with that 500 yard quarterback passing game threshold. The very simple thing you could do um, would be just pop into like the RotoViz. Player stat explorer and look at some of the top quarterbacks. Go to their game log and see how many times they're actually going over that 500-yard threshold. And a couple of things are going to come out of that research. You're probably going to find that either a lot of players achieve this commonly, at which point, if it's a common thing, you're not going to want to worry about it. Either you're going to find that it's something that is sporadic and it doesn't happen very often. And that's important because the third bullet point that I have here is you need to ask yourself if this is something you can predict. Um, So maybe in this hypothetical with the quarterbacks going over some type of yardage bonus, you would see a trend where it's the top level quarterbacks. The ones that you would expect are going over a yardage bonus. Of course, though, that's kind of an odd example because you could see that some of the players you would expect that are more of those passing type of players are going to inflate their points. But then you need to think about how that compares with or how much ground that covers versus some of these scrambling quarterbacks. So you see, it's hard for me to give blank and answers when I get these questions. So some of it really is on you as the owner of your fantasy team, as the manager going back and seeing how many players this really impacts. Maybe there's some grunt work to it, but if you're curious, that's what you've got to do. So Once you have that quantified, now you need to think about how many players you're starting at that particular position. Uh, Because if it's clear, right, that there's only three or four players and it's something that seems like you can pretty easily know that this is something that they're going to continue to do, then you would be incentivized to go and get those three to four players but of course, it's got to be at a position where you are actually giving yourself an advantage by doing it. So, you know, if these players are achieving this threshold, but it's only boosting their totals up three points, but it's at a position where that position isn't scoring much. Um, or wait, let me say it differently. If there's some type of bonus that's giving quarterbacks an additional three points, and there's three or four guys that achieve this, you need to determine if. They're doing it enough weeks that it really makes them different than the other options coming behind them. Of course you still have the ADP considerations flowing in. But then oftentimes too, you need to see, does this bonus also change the value of players at that position? Uh, let's say you played in a t- in a league where for whatever reason tight ends just score on average 10 points less than the other positions. Uh, and there are some players that can get this bonus and maybe it gives them an extra three or four points a game, you need to see with the way that rosters generally get set up in this league, how tight are matchups, and does that three points make a difference for you versus the opportunity cost of going against uh, the other player that you might take when you're selecting a tight end? Um, God, it's hard for me to know without talking to somebody else if this is making sense. Um. So a couple of other examples that I'll throw out, I often get asked about um, another one that I'll see, like, you know, there's like a, a bonus for a receiver getting over like 150 receiving yards or for having a touchdown that's over 50, a receiving touchdown that was more than 50 yards. Those are common ones I get. So the ones like that, uh, generally what I, I end up finding or the person finds after I kind of give them some advice on how to look for it is that those are things that are fairly random that only happen a couple times a season. So you're not going to want to worry about those. Uh, then you oftentimes have things too, like first downs, first down pointage. And that often is extremely heavily tied to a player's volume, um, like if you went right now and you looked up the top 15 running backs in first downs last year, I think that you would see that the top players, the top 15 players in attempts, there's probably a match of about 13 of those players. So if there's things that are very heavily correlated, it's not really going to shift things that much between players in the position. Uh, It could shift positional values. So If there was a bonus in your league that's going to make your average, you know, wide receiver one through wide receiver three score an additional six points a game, then that's probably raising their value in comparison to running backs. Um, And then I mentioned earlier that you need to think about the number of players that you're playing at each position. Uh, So the simple way to contextualize that is just simply. If there's normally, you know, 12 to 14 players at a onesie position, they're going to get this bonus, then nothing is really changing from the way that your league would have operated before. Uh, If all the quarterbacks that are normally started are going to be getting this bonus in a fairly similar stride, then they haven't really, the only thing that may have changed would be that position is value relative to other positions, except that it's a onesie position. So everybody's going to be getting this bonus in a fairly uniform way. That's a situation when you wouldn't want to go in and really change your strategy because of it. Um, one thing that you can take advantage of, in my experience, I often see people overreact to things in leagues when there are tiny changes that really aren't that material because they're not going in, they're just following their intuition and not actually seeing if it bears out. Um, so without a really good specific example to run through, the key questions that you're asking yourself again are, do I understand how it's scored? How many players does this really impact? Can we actually predict it? Because if you can't predict it, I don't think it makes sense to go and try to capitalize on it. Let your league mates do that. And let them do it incorrectly and then you're thinking about does it separate players within the position does it change the value of that position relative to others and then from there there's a number of scenarios where it can go um let me just toss out a couple more examples to might maybe give a better idea of how i would think about this logically so maybe we find that it's a boost for running backs And it's just going to the elite running backs, right? Like you're normally only going to see the Dalvin cooks, the Christian McCaffrey's. So maybe it's just a bonus of like five points for, um, running backs when they go over a thousand yards or not not over a thousand yards, excuse me, over a hundred yards in a game. And you look and you see that this is something you're expecting top level running backs to do, or maybe it's like 150 all purpose yards then that maybe does incentivize you even more to go out and get one of those high-level running backs because it's a bonus that you can get into your team that other teams aren't going to be able to get into. So that's a little bit different than the example I gave where maybe there's a some type of bonus that you're expecting most of the top 36 wide receivers will routinely hit. Then that would be a reason to maybe forego some of the other positions and try to get multiple players that are going to fall into that cohort so that you're tripling in on that bonus Uh, right like lots of times with these bonuses their value really comes when you can double dip on them or triple dip or quadruple dip so
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. The best example I could give here of, of contextualizing a league change is actually from the league that originally got me just crazy hooked on fantasy football. Um, So I had gone through a stretch when I was in college. I just got crazy into fantasy baseball and um, came up with some methodologies that worked really well for me there, tailored to a couple of leagues that I was in with my high school friends uh, that had some exploitable pieces to them. But I'd played fantasy football, but never went nearly as in-depth as I did in baseball until I started playing um, actually in... My father-in-law's work league, and this was like the year that I had just graduated from college, um, and I was traveling all the time, working nonstop, and um, really, like the old, like, my main distraction was just tracking my team in this fantasy football league. That was about all I had time for, and I was getting so pissed and so frustrated. Uh, the first year that I was in the league, hadn't really gotten too heavily into it um, prior to the league starting. So I didn't really do too much draft preparation. Just listened to the advice of people that had been playing for a while, which was just, Oh, running backs are so important. What have you didn't really pay attention to the specifics of the league did hear the mantra, you know, from some people in the league of, you know, how important Jimmy Graham was at that time, getting that tight end that could differentiate you. Well, The next year, when I started to think about what I could do to make my team better, I started actually looking more at the settings and they also made a key change that year. So the key aspect of the settings was you did not actually have to play a tight end. After the season had gone by and I started thinking about tight end scoring, I was questioning why anybody in this league was playing a tight end. At the time, There was no PPR scoring, but the wrinkle that got tossed in later was if a wide receiver got to five receptions, he would get a three point bonus. Then if he accrued another five receptions, ended up with a total of 10, he could get a six, you know, he would have six total bonus points. There was no, no fractional scoring on that. And then, you know, finally, every once in a while, You know, maybe if like, I think at the time, like Larry Fitzgerald got to 15 catches or something, then his bonus for that game would be nine points. So how do you exploit that? Well, you had a league where you could play actually five receivers in a given week. You were only forced to play one running back. You actually didn't need to play a tight end. When you went in and you looked at the numbers, you realized that there was a group of about 10 or 12 wide receivers at the time that you could expect had a somewhat okay chance of getting 10 receptions in a game so there was this pretty small cohort of these guys and then you know behind them there were some players that you could reasonably expect would get that five receptions so my thought process was fairly obvious here it was load up on as many of those wide receivers that i can get because it's possible that i could be getting an extra 20 points a week um in comparison to some of these guys that I was playing against, then also it obviously uh, enticed me to get a running back that could be in play for that bonus. So in the draft that year, I essentially ended up going zero running back because it was the perfect league for it. And I had, you know, four wide receivers that a couple of, you know, every once in a while, like three of the four would hit that three point bonus. I'd have an extra Um, you know, like 18 points of off of that, maybe my running back, would get it. And my team just absolutely slaughtered the league that year. Uh, Are you going to be able to find things as exploitable as that? No, not that often. But that's an example of when a scoring change actually really matters. So hopefully that has given some insight there. Uh, Now, the other the other side of this, as you probably gathered from me talking here, is that I can't explain how important the number of players that you can play at each spot really is and the number of players you're playing in flex positions really is because it changes the dynamics of everything in your league. Um, And like I can say from building the draft dashboard, all the considerations in that, and then building out the mock draft logic that roster allocation across positions drives so much. And I'm sure that your mind is accounting for this when you're drafting. Uh, But when you actually break it down and start putting math behind it really is like pretty eye opening. So obviously, if your league is making a change from one quarterback to super flex, everybody understands that's a pretty big change. But like what happens if you add in one more wide receiver spot to your team? Well, sometimes this can get tricky uh, because what you need to think about too is not just how many wide receivers there are in comparison to other positions. You need to make sure that you're taking the flex into account. Um, So what you might see in the first year in your league is that people feel like they need to get that extra uh, receiver and they still might not be thinking about if in that league it makes sense to fill the flex with a wide receiver. Um, So things can kind of go different ways there. But if I'm the manager and I'm looking at my team, naturally that is going to make me a little bit more incentivized to get that extra wide receiver. I'm also going to think about how that's going to impact when I'm able to play in the flex. So that's when you've got to pop open something like the win the flex tool, Uh, which I know we talked about recently, but this is a perfect application of it. And you plug in the specifics of your league. And then you see if your league has gone from three wide receivers to four, what does that do to the flex? Do you still want to play a wide receiver in it? Does it maybe make more sense to try to go for the running back? That the win the flex tool is a perfect way to answer that question. Um, But lots of times the tweak is going to be, there's going to be a change to the number of flex positions um, so I think that many times if your league moves and they add an extra flex position and now you can, you if you want play two wide receivers in the flex, and then you could do four wide receivers to two running backs. That's like a perfect opportunity where if you haven't tried it to pivot to zero running back, but you need to understand that the importance of players at that position does go up when you can play an outsized number of players at that position in comparison To others assuming that in the scoring of your league it's the position that's incentivized so the change from four wide receiver or from three wide or excuse me like in a standard league the change from three wide receivers to four wide receivers has an impact but obviously it's not going to be as great as it would in ppr um the flex piece though i think is really what changes things the most so I could probably continue going into this uh, even more. What I will leave you with uh, here is that if there's like a specific one that you have from your league that you think would allow me to elaborate on this more and make a better discussion or there's follow ups to this. Why don't you send those in and we can hit these in another bonus episode? Um, because the challenge for me here is, like I said, from working on that draft dashboard, building mock draft tools and whatnot, um, I'm not sure how much of this information is sitting in my head that I'm not conveying or how much I'm taking for granted just seems obvious when you get the changes in your rosters, um, in specific, and it's changing the number of players that you can play at each position or, or even taking away, um, because the number of players that you can play at a particular position is tied to the inherent value of that position. It's a fundamental piece of it. Uh, So I'm just going to leave you there before I ramble too much, because I think that, you know, maybe getting a example that I have to think about in the context of it to run through Uh, that's a little bit different than that super obvious one I gave would have some value. So anyways, um, you know, I appreciate you checking in, listening to uh, this bonus episode here. And hopefully we can continue to do some more of these. And uh, if there's any specific topics that you want to run through in depth on something like this, just uh, shoot me a message. um, RVFFshow at gmail.com. You can always hit up the number uh, as well, which I actually do not have in front of me right now, but you can look that up in the show notes. All right. We will be back on Friday.